Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Moms and Coaching Podcast. I'm Brooke Wyckoff, women's basketball coach at Florida State University and mom to my daughter, Avery. And I'm Erica Lambert, women's basketball coach at Abilene Christian University and mom to my daughters, Ava and Maya. Being a mom and being a coach are two amazing jobs, but being both provides a unique set of challenges, especially in the world of college athletics. So on this podcast, we discuss our experiences, share some advice, and have real conversations with other moms in coaching who get it. If you're a college coach, a high school coach, anyone working in athletics, or a working parent in general, we're so glad you're here listening in. We wanna encourage you to win the day and keep your family first. Okay, y'all, we have a great episode for you today. Natasha Adair, veteran coach and mother of two, joins Erica and I for a chat. And well, let me just say, I highly suggest grabbing something to take notes with and maybe a Kleenex or two. With 22 years as an assistant and head coach under her belt, Coach A provides us with amazing insight, knowledge, and perspective on literally every aspect of being a coaching mom in 2020. She's entering her fourth year at the helm of the University of Delaware women's basketball program, and she has her blue hens primed and ready for whatever challenge they're presented with this season. We get to hear all about what they've been up to during the pandemic and how she's guiding her players to be true agents of change in the fight for social justice, specifically in the state of Delaware. Coach A started coaching when her son Aaron was just one year old. He's now a college graduate, and he's watched his mother climb the coaching ranks as an assistant for 13 years, and then as a head coach at Charleston Southern, Georgetown University, and now at the University of Delaware. Her daughter, Alyssa, is beginning her senior year in high school and is a serious volleyball player. You're going to hear the passion Coach Adair has for her children, her team, and life in general. And no matter where you are in your coaching career or how old your kids are, we promise you'll get so much out of today's chat with Coach A. So like I said, buckle up because you're in for a treat. We're so happy to welcome Natasha Adair to the Moms in Coaching podcast. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the Moms in Coaching podcast. Our special guest today is fourth year head coach at the University of Delaware, Natasha Adair. Thanks for joining us, Coach A. Erica, thank you. Brooke, thank you. We are going to have some fun today. I'm so excited. We are ecstatic that you are here. We know it's going to be a fun time. It always is when we're talking to you. Um, But I am the official checker in about COVID, everybody's team. I've got to ask, uh, you know, this is just one of the hottest topics, obviously, this year. What is it like for you guys at the University of Delaware and your team? Man, it's been a whirlwind. I, you know, I, I want to go back a little to March 12th. That was, uh, we were going to start CAA conference tournament. We were hyped. You know, the blue hens were ready. We were feeling good. And then everything was halted. Um, and I'm going to tell you, there were so many emotions. You're talking about a team with five seniors uh, ready to finish this thing out. And I had to tell them that they were done you know, with, with no kind of future um, in sight. And, and so that was really hard as a leader. Uh, it's hard as a coach because, you know, our seniors were kind of the catalyst of everything. And they've been with me from the time I've taken over the program. And, and we've done so many amazing things together. And, and you wanted them to 
finish it on a high note, but what I'll say kind of what this group now is a little bit of redemption, right? So they've used this COVID time to just continue to grow uh, as individuals. We've kind of grown so much as a team. Uh, and I feel like I've learned so much more about them. And, and I don't know if it's just because we've had the time, we've been very intentional about our time. Um, I know that they have Zoom fatigue, we all do, but we've tried to make it interesting, exciting. You know, we have, we did an Easter egg hunt via Zoom. Um, we play Pictionary, we, um, Taboo. I will tell you, Coach A's teams have won every time. We are the bomb squad because Coach A is the bomb, right? Um, but we've also had courageous conversations uh, around what's going on in the world, around you know social justice, uh, racial injustices, um, equality. I mean, so many things and initiatives that our players are very passionate about. So I feel like it's been a long six months. But, you know, when you look at other ways you can grow as a team and you can grow as individuals, I see our players um, just becoming stronger in who they are with their voice and as a unit. And, and so I think this time has been beneficial in other ways for us off the court. That's awesome. I'm just so curious to see when, I'm going to say when we have a season, right. how all of this team bonding and the work we've done over Zoom and virtually translates into how we are on the basketball court as teams. So along those lines, talk about this upcoming team on the court. Like you said, these are your kids. You have recruited them, been with them. How is next season looking basketball-wise? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I will tell you, though, I, I mean, this group provides so much energy. I mean, you know, there are just certain players that come with it. You can even feel the energy via Zoom. Um, the excitement, this group is going to give effort, competitive edge. I mean, all of those things. But, you know, we're going to have fun. I, I can, I can, you, you can get a feel for your team already. And, and I think, though, it's just because they've grown so much. I mean, we, we do, uh, we've done this exercise uh, that I got from this book called Confession, Confessions of an Imperfect Coach. It's a phenomenal book, and they talk about a hero, a highlight, and a hardship. And I, listening to the coaches went first, and then listening to the players, and we haven't even gone through the whole team yet, you learn that you're more alike than you are different. And just knowing all the things that, that uh, kind of where their passion comes from, what motivates them. I'm just so proud of just how they've come together as a unit without being together. And that's hard to do. And so um, I think if you put all of that, what I talked about, the energy, the effort, the competitive edge, you know, a group that's hungry and a group that, you know, knows our culture and our chemistry is healthy, that equals success. Whatever that is in wins and losses, I don't know. Um, but I do know we are doing it the right way. And when that, when, when you're confident in that, the rest will take care of itself. I love that. I want to look up that book. That sounds like a really good resource. I actually have it on my desk. I have a bunch of books on my desk, but this one is by Kate Lavelle. Okay. Um, the hero highlight and hardship is one of my favorite activities to do with the team. And as soon as you said it, it reminded me that that was actually how I, my highlight was how I told my team when I was pregnant with my first daughter. Okay. So 
it sounds like you have a really strong returning group, lots of energy, lots of good things going on. I want to know how you approach your team's leadership assignments. you got this 2021 team. We're going into a really, there's a lot of uncertainty. Do you elect your captains? How do you assert your leaders on your team? Well, we do elect captains, but that won't be until literally um, during our goal setting meeting. And that's not until, you know, October as we're approaching November. But right now, I think that you have to realize you have leaders in all different forms. And, you know, for us, we talk about their leadership qualities in all different forms. Everyone's not going to be vocal, but you can lead with your effort. You can lead with being consistent. You can lead by being a great teammate. And I think that that helps defining their roles. And this is, a, I mean, this generation is literal, right? You have to be very specific on what they, what you need from them, but also what their value is. And so we are very big on just talking about their value. I feel like the, the, the leaders, the people that the teams, the team trusts, they will surface regardless. Um, and as coaches, we can see that. But I want the players to know that just because they may not be the popular vote that their leadership qualities, whatever they are, matter. And so for us, we lead in different ways. Um, but I think the leaders will rise to the top when it comes time. The vocal ones, especially. And I don't know if that's an upperclassman. And so that's why I think as a coach, you don't want to run into that. All right, these four seniors or these three seniors, when your freshman has the ability to do so. So I think you let that evolve, um, but you talk more about their roles and their value and what they mean to the team. As far as coaching styles go, speaking of leadership, I know that your, your MO is all about positivity and you just truly care about your players. It's not hard to tell that just from getting to know you the last few years, but I'm curious about how you build relationships and discipline at the same time, because that's really hard to do. Yeah, and positive, I don't know. It's all in the perception, right? Because some days they just go, hey, the beginning. Um, I don't know. I'm a maternal coach, you know, and so I, I coach from no different than how I, I parent my children. And so it's roles, it's responsibility, it's accountability, and it's being fair. You know, it's not always no, but it's not always yes. And if it's no, it's not right now, and this is why. Um, and so I think for me, I love to empower them. You know, I am their biggest cheerleader. I tell them that they're rock stars. I tell them that they're baddies. You know, I'm like, you're a savage. Let's go. You know, we are in the beehive. I'm just rocking it with them. You know, but I want them to find that inner strength. I want them to find that inner, just inner toughness. Um, it, but for me, I have to be consistent with them. I have to communicate. Um, I have to show up when they need me. And it may not have anything to do with basketball, right? And then you have to listen. Oh, my God. You have to be such a phenomenal listener. Um, we did this uh, other exercise with them. And, and uh, we had Debbie Antonelli on with them via Zoom. Uh, and she asked, she talked about kind of her three motivating words and words that she lives by. And, and we did an exercise, kind of what are their words? And so after reading their words, I, you know, it just hit me literally in the middle of the night. I, I said, I want to laminate their words and coach them only with their words, you know, and not my words, but if one of my players, you know, it, you know, struggling from the field, I'm going to go to one of her words 
and use that as the motivating force. And so for me, it's finding ways to be better. I've been in this 22 years and I know it's completely different then to now. And so I want to be a better coach for them. We always want them to be better players for us, but I think it's the other side. If you flip that, I want to be a better coach. And so listening is a big thing for me. Um, and then knowing, letting them use their voice. I'm a player's coach where I, I, I want to know what they're thinking. Hey, what are you thinking? What did you see there? So they know that they're, that's not wrong. Hey, coach, it matters. And it may not always be their opinion and their voice at the time, but it does matter. And, and I think all of that builds trust. It's not one thing. And then it has to be consistent in those areas all the time. I think it's so important to try and meet our players right where they're at. And, you know, there's 15 of them. So that takes a lot of extra effort on the head coach's part. And you do such a good job with that. What advice would you give to a coach who's taking over a program? This is your third head coaching stop. Um, along those lines where you're trying to build a relationship with your new team, but you've got to assert your authority. Are there kind of some do's and don'ts that you've learned along the way? Well, I think you have to, and that's that word again, listen. I think you have to go in and you can't be a hatchet. My way or the highway coach is obsolete. Like, don't do that anymore. Um, you know, I think of my, when I went to Charleston and that was my first head coaching job, I, I remember in the locker room with the seniors. And I said, what do you guys want out of this senior year? And they just looked at me, they said, we wanna win. And I said, well, this is gonna be uncomfortable, right? The new standard is uncomfortable, but we will win if you commit. And they didn't waver, not one day, and we did. You know, they went to postseason for the first time, back-to-back postseasons for the program. But it was because they committed and it was different, right? They would tell you it was harder than they've ever worked in some days. To this day, we'll have our Zoom calls and we'll have, our, we'll have our, our moments. And they're like, coach is nuts, but we won and she loves us. And it was hard, but they're in the real world now. And they said, you know what? It makes sense. I can withstand anything. And so I, I think of when I went to Georgetown, you know, that was a different opportunity because it was a national um, kind of cloud over there just based on some things that happened when I took over the program. But in year two, we had the fifth best turnaround in, in, in the country. And it was because we were listening as a staff. And yeah, we were recruiting and we had to do some other things. But for those seniors as well, and those juniors who had two more years, it was about finding that love again and finding their why and not really communicating about what happened because I don't know and I wasn't there. Uh, and so let's just take that energy and those emotions and move forward. And, and then now here at Delaware, kind of the same thing. You know, our first year here, they hadn't been the postseason since Deladon was there. And it was, again, um, 19 wins in our first year and, and, you know, just really turned it around and gave them confidence. But it's listening first and then inserting kind of your coaching style based on what you have at that time. But you want them to have success along the way. So uh, really being a player's coach. Coach A, along the lines of this crazy summer or different summer in 2020, uh, it was also a really important summer in regards to the aftermath of the George Floyd murder. So many athletic programs around the country 
have had extensive conversations about racism. There's been so much attention paid to the conversations we're having and the things that we're saying and posting on social media. But what we love is that your team took an important step further. Can you just talk about the action steps that your players took and, and your leadership and all of that? Well, I'll tell you, you know, even before George Floyd, uh, we have to say her name and say Breonna Taylor uh, because we are still fighting for justice and convictions um, in her murder. And, and so, but uh, George Floyd's murder um, really prompted a, a national, obviously, unrest, but within, within our team, like other teams, as you mentioned, and my assistant coach, Michaela Walker, like came to me and, and who's very passionate, um, you know, coach, we, we, we got to get them all now. Like we got to get on zoom today. And, and, and we did, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have a script because I had my own emotions as, as a, as a mother, as a black mother, um, who struggles daily, um, with making sure my son comes home. Um, and, and so when I addressed the team, I, I told them, and I saw a couple of tweets, you know, nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary, but you can, you can tell they were expressing some, some anger and some hurt. And I asked them, I said, I have two questions and I want you guys to put your answers in the chat. I said, how are you feeling? And it was angry, hurt, sad, um, you know, pissed off, well, whatever it is. And then I said, what do you need from me as your coach? And what do you need from your staff? And what do you need from each other as teammates? And it was almost unanimous, love and support, love and support, love and support, understanding. And there was one player who said direction. And at that point, that was, to me, that was literally my cue. Like we, we, we gotta go. We got, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing, but we have to do something. And my freshman, Tara Cousins spoke up. She said, coach, and, you know, when Tara speaks, you know, she, because she doesn't say a lot, but, you know, she's uh, very thought-provoking um, and very intentional with her words. She said, I don't want this to fade away in two weeks when it's not trending. Not for us. Um, and I said, okay, I want you guys to, to kind of get together and present to me with some things that you want to do. Well, two days went by, literally, and they had all agreed that they were going to write letters to all of the mayors in the state of Delaware. Keep in mind, none of them are from Delaware. And so when I read a sample letter, I had to hold back my emotions um, because in this letter, I mean, they talked about banning the chokehold, de-escalation training, uh, elim eliminating the CARIG technique, the one that was used uh, with George Floyd, budget disclosures, allocating funds, where's the money going to? I mean, community policing, hiring process, mental health screening, body care. I mean, it was a list. And I'm thinking, how did you find all this out? Well, you know what? They did the research. And they took the time. And um, when that letter came about, I called my AD, Chrissy Raylock, who by far is a rock star. I'm going to tell you that. If you all haven't had a chance to just meet her and talk to her, email her. She will talk to you. She's phenomenal. Um, and I said, you know what, the players did this. And she said, let's take this a step further. I don't want this to get lost on a desk in the size of our state. We can reach out and touch our government officials with the right help. So it went from Chrissy to our government officials on campus to um, athletics uh, representatives in-house 
And before you know it, uh, probably eight days later, we were in front of the Attorney General, Kathy Jennings, and we were on a Zoom call with Governor Carney. And these weren't just feel-good calls and meetings. They really asked questions. Um, Governor Carney told them how laws are formed, kind of the process to get things passed. Uh, and then the Attorney General, Kathy Jennings, she, she kept it real. She said, there are people who are pissed off at me. There are people who don't want me to do this. Um, she had 15 initiatives that she was already fighting for. And so our players aligned their initiatives with hers just because that was already moving forward and moving forward quickly. And, you know, I, I want to say the date was the 25th. The June 25th was when the executive order um, 41 was passed and it was banned in the chokehold. There was a de-escalation training. Uh, community policing was involved in, in that order. But our players were a direct result of change. And for me, that is a win. You know, everyone measures wins differently. And for our group to know that they are making real change, uh, it, it's, it, it's empowered them even more. And uh, we started a task force within the athletic department. And it was cool when football players said, coach, can we be a part? Uh, we have a swimmer that wanted to join. We have a volleyball player that, that wanted to be a part. And so here's this 15 member task force, but our five players who are actively on it, um, are spearheading this. And these Paris McBride was the one who kind of thought of the letter based on a conversation she had with a ex teammate who plays, you know, at Boston College. Like, so it, it, was, it was interesting because when we were talking about this before, when we were in college, I don't know if that's what our conversations were at the time. You, you know what I mean? What juniors in college are talking about initiating change? And that just lets you know, for me, this is our point guard. You saw her turning it on towards the end of last season. I can only imagine the confidence inside of her right now. Um, and so there are just so many things that I'm proud of, but uh, it took on a life of its own. And now our task force is broken up in between programming and policy. And we've had so many different speakers come on. Um, the beginning of September, we're gonna start with one of the local charter schools and, and do some uh, programming. Uh, and working with uh, some of the police in, in Wilmington and uh, kind of creating that, that conversation and starting that conversation about what concerns us and what concerns the public and how we can bridge that gap. And so uh, I am here as their advocate. I'm in the back of the room. Normally the coach is in the front of the room, but I am following their lead and I'm there, you know, if they stumble or if they fall to pick them up. Uh, but more importantly, I'm their cheerleader saying, keep going. We would hands down say that that is a win. I don't, I don't think anybody listening would say that that wasn't. That's what we do as coaches is to fight and claw to get our players to understand that this is bigger than just them. This is bigger than just basketball. And I can't think of anything more tangible or an experience or a growth process more alive than what your team went through this year and who cares how many games you win you know they have that for the rest of their lives and your leadership in that is just phenomenal so kudos keep it going we're with you it's amazing thank you i'm proud of you. yeah i'm floored by all of that 
Um, I, I was reading up a lot on on what your team's been up to, um, and I, I think the June executive order was signed into law this month, so it's official. Yes, yes, yes it is official. No chokeholds, implicit bias training, de-escalation training, and I'm just floored that your players, at a time when emotions have run so high that they were willing to follow up in a productive way and do the research and do the homework and go above and beyond. I think sometimes we just don't give young people enough credit. Um, you know, they're, they're ambitious and they're passionate and they can impact change. I also, you already said this, but I was just blown away by your athletic director's role in this because arguably this is like the hardest time for athletic directors ever right now with COVID and they've got, you know, fires to put out every day. And so the fact that she sort of uh, put the letter on a bigger stage for you guys, I think is just incredible leadership. And also, you know, she called me when we were having uh, marches in, in my, my town in Middletown here. And she said, I don't know if you're marching, but if you are, I want to walk with you. Um, to have my AD say that, she said, I've, I've never marched, and this is my first one. And she didn't come by herself. She brought her husband, and she brought her children. And she marched alongside of my daughter and I and my neighbors. And, you know, my neighbors are like, wow, that, that's your boss, you know? <laughs> They're like, I'm, where's my boss, right? Um, but this, and, and what I said before, this wasn't a surprise to me, because this is who she has been from day one. And when people look at my why and why Delaware, that's why. Because we have a one team mindset. And so I knew where we stood. I didn't have to ask. I knew where she stood. I didn't have to wonder. And so in this moment, um, you know, moments of adversity, moments of just trials, um, she's there. And uh, I, I'm very proud that she is our representative and our leader. And um, I wouldn't ask for a better one. That's incredible. Okay, we're going to change gears a little bit here. And I want to talk about your kids. Tell us about Alyssa and Aaron and kind of what's going on in their worlds right now. Yes! <laughs> I get so excited. Oh, my God. Alyssa, mommy's princess. Mommy's mini me, mommy's uh, everything. Uh, now, if I give a COVID update for Allie, Allie is over it. She is not having it. She is like, okay, it was cool the first month, but you guys keep telling me I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Um, but I even watched her grow, you know, just in, in this time. She's gone through a different range of emotions, you know, happy, sad, and then kind of empowered. All right. How, okay. Now this is where I am. What, what can I do to be better? Uh, volleyball is her passion. You know, she is going to the 10th grade. We actually have a sand volleyball pit in my development. And she has organized uh, a couple of workouts with some of her teammates. And she's like, all right, let's go. We're going to go three days a week. We're going to go two hours. You know, like we aren't going to stay stagnant. I have ordered every volleyball apparatus in my house. Um, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, here we go. Um, but she has college aspirations. I mean, she talks about you know, when I play college volleyball, this is what I'm going to do. And, and I know it's because she's seen it. She's grown up just with that atmosphere with a million big sisters. Um, and, and so she's one that's very determined. I uh, wonder where she gets that from. Uh, she is a intense competitor. Um, and our neighbors are so funny because we've created this little bubble with three houses. 
And so we literally not really gone anywhere, not been around anyone but each other. And so you have one that's playing football, you have one that's cheering and, and we just kind of all work together. And so that gives her her interaction that gives her that socialization that, you know, some of these kids who have been home for so long are missing. Um, and, and I have to even say they started businesses on this street. So my daughter has, she does mommy's nails and toes. So she's created her own little nail salon. We're working on eyelashes next. Um, my other neighbor, he started a detailing business. So he sends me apps, you know, like every two weeks, um, your appointment is at this time. I mean, these young people are so serious. And then one is baking. I, I had one that's in the bubble come and literally she made like this gourmet breakfast. And I'm like, I don't even eat this, but it's so good. And this is what's happening now. So when you talk about our young people and, and, and empowering them, there's no age that we can, you know, limit them to start, start now. And where COVID was a bad thing in, in a lot of ways, and it still is, um, we've taken this adversity and, and try to empower them to, hey, let's figure out how we can be better. What can we do to look on the bright side of this and really not lose ourselves? And, and so just watching her grow um, through this, but uh, she, she loves TikTok. Oh my God, we've done so many TikToks. She tells me, TikTok is like her encyclopedia. Mommy, did you know? I said, where'd you hear that? TikTok, TikTok. I mean, it's just like, okay. Um, but she's also the one that, you know, she's laying in the bed with me and we're watching kind of CNN and what's going on in the world. So she is aware. Um, I will talk to her about what's happening and, and how does she feel? Uh, what has she experienced, if, if anything, um, just to not put a, 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 you know, blind eye to that. She's old enough to have conversations. Um, and, and so, you know, I just, I love our relationship. And, you know, she's about to be 15. Birthday is September 5th. Um, and I'm just watching, like, she's like a real woman now, you know, and I'm just so, I'm so floored by it. But I will tell you, one of the most uh, proud moments is, is when I watch her and, and my son um, and just their relationship. They're eight years apart. And so that's literally like her protector um, and, and he just loves her to no end. I did the hero hardship uh, highlight exercise with her and her brother is her hero. Uh, her hardship, listen to this, her hardship is COVID. Her hardship is COVID. And her highlight, you know, she, it was a volleyball highlight, but I thought that that was really interesting. One, I said, I need to create way more hardships. You know, I said, you haven't had enough hardships, young lady. Um, but she said that COVID was, and I'm sure it will be, you know, as we go years to come, you know, a lot of people will remember this moment as a very hard time in their life. And so um, that's mommy's baby. And uh, I, my players know it, you know, she's so close to them. It's, it's so cool. And you guys, you gotta stop me because I can talk about my children all day. Um, but she's on the phone on FaceTime and I'm like, who are you talking to? And oh, I'm talking to Michaela. I'm talking to Sarah. Like she'll talk to the coaches. And you know, if you know Coach Jenkins, Coach Jenkins is the hype person. She is, she talks all the trash and gets everything started and then sends Allie back to me. And then Michaela's like her big sister. Michaela was at Wake when I had her. So she's pretty much raised her. And so it's just so funny how they parent her as well. And then she'll call Cece. Hey, Cece, you know, like 
I'm like, how do you have their numbers? Why are you talking to them? Um, but I love that because I know that she always has someone to go to um, in, in those tough moments. And I trust that she'll come to me. But sometimes as mommy, you know, they, they, they want to sound it off with someone else. And, and I trust her with all the people that are around me and around her. And, and uh, she's grown up with a lot of love and a lot of support. Um, and I'm proud of that. Is she in online school this fall? Yeah, so they, um, they're starting six weeks online, and then they will have the choice after those six weeks to either stay online or kind of go in a hybrid form. Allie says she's doing all online. I said, well, wait a minute. Let's see after this six weeks, because, you know, bed English and bed math is not going to work, right? So get up. Uh, but we'll see, you know, our, our state uh, health department obviously will review after the six weeks and, and just kind of see where we are. And, and for me, um, you know, in the spring, I thought it was hard uh, for her just kind of being at home because they need that interaction. But if I don't feel like it's safe um, because the school is pretty large, then we will continue online. But uh, it'll be way more structured than it was in the spring. Uh, I'll tell you that. Tell us about Alyssa's hero. No, Aaron Michael. So she's Alyssa Michelle and he's Aaron Michael. So it's the AMA deal. Um, I mean, he is God. He has been, that's my, that's my boy. Um, and I try, I will try not to get emotional when I talk about him because he grew with me. You know, we, we have a different bond because I started this journey with him. I mean, he was one and mommy said she's going to coach and God knows there are so many stories along the way. Um, but he just graduated from Johnson C. Smith, cum laude. Uh, he's a brainiac. God, he's so super smart. Uh, played basketball, so he couldn't get too far away from that. Business major, finance minor, concentration um, and international finance. I'm just like, What? You know, how did you do all that? And uh, right now he's doing some financial literacy. Um, he wants to start this, uh, what is it, power washing business. Like he's the guy, he's the, he has that entrepreneurial spirit. Like he's going to have seven, eight, ten businesses. He tells me about seven sources of income. He tells me what stocks are up on what day, you know. And part of it, I don't know. When he calls and says, I need this or can you give me this? I want to invest this. Let me see some more information. You are still 22. Um, I'll look up and he's probably somewhere in Miami having a party. And I'm like, well, what are we investing in? Um, but he, he's that, that guy that, um, some days I think he's just so hard on, the, on himself because he wants to be perfect in all things. Um, uh, but that's, that's just how he's always been. His heart is bigger than his body, you know, and he is that protector. He's that, he just, he just loves so hard. So that means his heart can get broken so easily. And, um, but I, I just love their love. Um, you know, as a mom, you know that she's going to be okay and he's going to be okay. And there are some times he's like, I looked at her Instagram and I told her, take that down. And I, mommy, did you see, you know, he's kind of like, calm down. Okay. You know, what did it say? Or is she going to wear that? She can't wear that. You know I mean? He is, I said, when she has her first boyfriend, I, she don't have to worry about me. You gotta worry about your brother. Um, and for them to be so far away, it's not uncommon for her to fall asleep on FaceTime and them having conversations. Um, you know, they're the group that they love brain games, they love riddles. 
uh, everything is competitive, you know, and they have all these apps now that they'll, they'll put me on, mom, play this, mom, play that, mom, Allie, help mom, mom, what's mom doing? I'm just like, hey, I'm here, I can, I can figure it out. Um, but just, you know, they're, they're, they're coaches' kids, you know, both of them, if you think about it, have grown up in the gym. And, you know, when, when I go over just kind of the, the miles in which, you know, both of them have kind of traveled and you think about, you know, my son, two elementary schools, one middle school, two high schools, Allie, three elementary schools, two middle schools, all before eight years old. Um, it, it's a strain, you know, and I worry about them sometimes, you know, as, as a mom, you know, you're, you're in protect and provide mode. And I'm, you know, I even hear now we have more in-depth conversations about what I might have missed, you know, and what that kind of, what it made them feel like. And those are things that, you know, you're not thinking about it because you're thinking of, okay, protecting, providing, and still, you know, trying to be professional. But, um, but now when I see them and I, and I hear our conversations, you do feel proud because you created this foundation for them to be successful. You've exposed them to just things in the world and traveled them in the world that you might not have been able to do. And where you miss some things, you also sacrifice for the better, uh, you know, and, and, and they will get it prayerfully one day, um, but there's still no, no substitute. And, and as a mom, you have guilt. As a mom, you, you know, you wish you could be all things, but, um, you know, my son is, uh, and my daughter, they're, they're everything. They're my why. And if you know me, you know that. I definitely know that. And you've given me so many good nuggets of advice throughout the years uh, through Moms and Coaching. And along those lines, let's talk about you personally. And okay. how you, <laughs> how the, how, let's get personal. Because you've had such a long, successful career, but you've been so many places, you have older kids now and coaching is it's a demanding profession when it comes to family and in many other ways as well but how has your coaching timeline affected you whether it be marriage giving birth obviously we've we've heard about raising your kids and then what comes after that how has it been for you in that sense well i think you know early on obviously when my son is one and i'm coming into the profession you, you, you don't know what you don't know until you get in there. Now, I was, I was at home. I was in D.C. I'm from D.C. I was at Georgetown. So I, I kind of had that family support because back then, you know, there, there was restricted earnings coach, right? We didn't have dobos and videographers and we didn't have moms in coaching, all right? We, we didn't have that. Uh, we didn't have those resources. So you had to kind of lean on people. But I will tell you, it was at a, it was at a point in time where you almost had to prove that you were good enough as a mom, as a coach. Um, you had to make excuses, you know, if you wanted to go to a play or go to the performance or go to the game where you just weren't as confident to say, you know what, this is what I gotta do. I'm not bending on it and this is my right as a mom. Uh, because you were in prove mode. You were, hey, I'm just coming in. It's kind of male dominant. I don't know if I can do this. Is it going to make me look like I'm not 
capable. And, and I hate that I had to feel that way. Um, you know, as a, as a head coach now, as a boss, I would never, oh, honey, girl, go, we're fine. You know, and even if it's, even if it's a male coach, go, you, you need to be there as well. But, and not that the coaches that I worked for made me feel that way. I think that that was a societal thing um, where you were just really apprehensive. I'll tell you about an incident and, and Mike Peterson, who I absolutely love more than anything. When I worked at Wake Forest and I was pregnant with Allie, and same, I, you know, Erica, I had to tell the team. And, and before I told the team, I, you know, I told Coach Pete and, and I was nervous. I was scared to tell my boss that I was pregnant. So here's this happy moment in my life. And my heart was racing because I thought he was going to look at me in a negative way or say, oh, crap, she's not going to be able to do her job. And to know Coach Pete, this God-fearing man, when I told him that, he's like, are you nuts? Oh, me and Patty, let's go have a party. Like, I mean, he was the happiest guy. I told the team, and then we're jumping up and down in the hotel room. I think we were on the road, getting ready to go play Virginia Tech. And we are bouncing up and down. And where I was so afraid, and not, it was just an internal thing. And I, to think of that now, why in the world would I have been afraid to celebrate this, this special moment. And so um, thankful to have, you know, the, the bosses that I've worked for to support me along the way, because, you know, I, I was the one that came back two weeks later um, because I, again, I was bored. I'm like, but, but I had to, I wouldn't have done, if I changed, had to change it, I wouldn't have, I would have taken six weeks. I would have, because I would have taken it for my family, right? I was, I was, I felt good. And everything was fine. There was no need for me to come back. But which one did I put first? Intentionally or not. But if I had to do it again, I would have taken the time allotted to me to take to be with my family. Um, and, and I mean, it's just so many incidents from an assistant coach to head coach. As an assistant coach, you, you have your areas, right? You have to focus on this, on the I'm the post coach, I'm special situations, I'm doing the defense, whatever it may be. But you're pretty structured and scheduled to a certain degree. Head coach is chaos. It's chaos. Everyone needs your time, morning, noon, or night. So even if I'm home, I'm on the phone. And back then in recruiting, we didn't have uh, a week off where we had a shutdown for families. And it was at a time where you didn't even have a break in recruiting. We went 30 days straight. And so you think of that now, right? If I had what I had for my daughter, what I had for my son, I, I don't know what outcomes would be, right? And, and so I don't know if the conversations that we have sometimes now would be different. So if, you know, I, so I, I think, and even now as a head coach, I'm more flexible and I have more control. So what I do now is I schedule my practice times around my daughter's volleyball games. And so this year, I didn't miss one home game. I can count on my hand how many high school games I saw of my son. So sometimes, you know, when you have, when you know better, you do better. Um, when you have more resources to do better. So uh, if I encourage, you know, that, that new coach, right, don't, don't waver. 
You know, don't make excuses, stand firm. And even know the program, the, the, the AD, the head coach, whoever you're working for, what is their value? What are their values? What do they feel about families? Are there families, are there kids running around in the apartments? Uh, or is that taboo? I think all of that matters. Um, because you can get that time back. It's so good. And it, it's so interesting that you've had the two, you know, to compare mm -hmm. the different experiences. And, right. but I, I gotta say, I mean, just looking at your background, for those of you guys <laughs> that are listening, Coach A has this amazing background with pictures of both of her kids from all different ages. They're beautiful. They're successful. You've done a phenomenal job. I wanted to ask you just about your personal relationships. We do talk a lot about marriage or just those types of things. And just how, looking back again about your journey through coaching and your relationships, everybody's got their different journey. What's your perspective? I think you have to communicate and communicate all the time, you know, and know that, you know, I was married for 16 years. Um, and so that's a long time. And, and we had even been together in high school. So even before it was, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time together. And I think that in any relationship, um, there has to be that communication. But then now you add a family and now you add children to it. And our profession is different. Um, and, and so I think that there has to be that balance. There has to be that sacrifice uh, on both parts, but a whole lot of understanding. Um, and not that it wasn't. I, I just think that over time, too, things evolve and things change. You know, you may feel like, okay, I can handle this, but, you know, what if we have to uproot the family? Because here's this head coaching opportunity that after 14 years came about for me. So 14 years, I was pretty consistent in the same type of role so the same type of demand and now here we go sons in high school are we going to do this and it became a very hard now family decision and what do you do and so you know i i don't wrestle with any decision that i've made i don't say woulda coulda shoulda but I do say, if you're in these moments, you have to talk about them before they happen. You have to role play in kind of different scenarios, you know? Um, if this, then what are we gonna do? If that, then what are we gonna do? And, and really communicate that, not just with your spouse and your partner, you, you know, but with your children too. And they may be too young to understand, or they may be right at that age where, I just nestled into a great place with really good friends. And how do you uproot that? Um, and, and so it's, it's not easy um, for sure, but I think the communication piece and really finding someone that's, that's on that same page with you, um, but still respecting each other if both have tried and, and it just doesn't work, right? Everyone doesn't want to move head coach to head coach in this place or that place. And, and some people say, you know what, I, I think I can, but now I can't. And you know what, and you got to be okay with it. But I just think the more you can communicate, the more you can talk about what you're thinking and feeling and, and what both dreams are and both aspirations are and, and just pray that they align. Um, I think the better off that you'll be. Uh, but I think the more you can have conversation uh, around it, 
this may happen or this is what I'm doing and how are you feeling? Because sometimes you get kind of one-sided, right? I'm so focused on this and not because someone hasn't said anything, have you brought up the conversation? Um, and so I just think being open and transparent um, is, is in life, not just in this occupation, but in every scenario, I think it'll, it'll, it'll help. Thank you for sharing that with us, Tasha. We're getting real personal on the Moms and Coaching podcast today. I want to hear about your fiance. Yes. Okay. Let me talk about Mr. Moore, Ron Moore. Um, man, when I talk to you about, he's my calm, he's my balance, he's my strength, <laughs> you know, he's someone who's lived, who's lived this life, you know, we met here in Delaware, um, he kind of relocated here, I relocated here, I said it was destined to be, um, but he played this game and, and played it at a high level, um, has won literally a championship at every level, college, and, and so I'm picking his brain, but you know, he played a, a couple of years in the NBA, played most of his career overseas. And, um, you know, he's seasoned. You know, he, he, he's a little older, a little bit more traveled, um, you know, family guy as well. And so we share a lot of stories um, and a lot of similar stories on just kind of that road, that climb, that the, the sacrifices and, and what we could do differently if we could and, and just how can we be our best selves now and, and how can we be really great for each other. And so it's, it's awesome for me um, to be able to share these stories, uh, but he literally is my calm. You know, I look at him some days and I'm like, God bless you. I'm like, if we can get through COVID, honey, we are rock stars. Ain't nothing gonna break this thing up because um, we have been in each other's space for a long time. Um, but I just, I, I stare at him sometimes and, and just, just how he just always sees the positive side of everything. He, he's one of my biggest cheerleaders and, and um, I'm thankful for, you know, just, I say God presented him to me um, at a time when I was praying for some things and I literally opened my eyes and he was there. And he has been here ever since, you know, I asked for him to show up and be consistent. Those are things that are my non-negotiables. And he has been, he has showed up uh, every day since. And uh, we have not set a date. Um, it's kind of hard to set a date and plan for anything, but it is, it is going to happen soon, uh, sooner than later. But I am, I am thankful for him, you know, because you don't know after, you know, your, your first relationship, your first marriage, 16 years, you don't know what your future holds. And, and, um, and you still have to tread some, some, you know, water kind of with family and with children and, and make sure, because we are still very public. I mean, this is, this is a public venue and, and I want to protect my children as best as I can. Uh, but I also, I mean, life happens and uh, we don't have it all figured out. We never will, but we just try to be better and, and be better for them and be better examples for them. And so um, I'm thankful. I'm really thankful for him. Well, I'm sure he's thankful for you. Better be. He better be. Yes. He Yes. He got the good end of this deal. And I, I don't even know, but I, I I'm pretty biased. Preach, yes. bro. Preach, <laughs> he got bro. the good end of this deal. <laughs> 
see this for sure. He got the good end of this deal because just Coach A, your your energy, your light, your smile, your beauty, your passion, um, your success as a coach. I mean, it's just this, just sitting here in this past, whatever it was, 30 to 45 minutes. I've just, I've grown as a coach, as a mom, as a person, just listening to you. We're so thankful to have you here, but want to ask you, so one more chance for for us to get some great insight from you. We always ask this at the end, what is winning the game for you right now? Winning the game for me right now, um, as a mom, it, it's my children. Um, it, it's my children at first. Um, if I can empower them, if I can lead them, if I can continue to encourage them to dig deep and find whatever it is that drives them and, and you know it, chase it. And don't ever turn away from it, chase it and give it your all. My win is watching our players, you know, take on um, adversity, take on, you know, just these, um, just these uncertain times with such conviction and such confidence. That's a win for me. Um, a win is just being able to empower as many people that I can touch with strength. Um, one thing, uh, another win for me is it comes from a saying from Kevin Sutton, uh, living trophies. You know, we chase that big trophy and we will continue to, but my living trophies are my players, you know, my former players, which I have three on my staff. And the more that I can make people around me better, I grow and I win. So I win helping other people win within and the external wins will come. So I win through people. Wow. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. I think I teared up like five times. Oh, well, I, I was going to. Uh, I get like that when I, when I talk about my son because it, it's just, it's been, it's been a journey um, to say the least, but to, to just watch him cross that stage. And one thing that I'll say just about sacrifices before we get off, um, there have been moments where he had senior night or it was um, kind of midnight madness and, and he's in Charlotte and I'm in, you know, I'm in Delaware and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get there? I, I have to be in those moments. And I'll give you an example. He was in high school and um, I was at Georgetown and he was having senior night on a Saturday. Well, we were in New York. We were doing the St. John's Seton Hall swing. How in the world am I going to get to Lynchburg, Virginia at four o'clock from New York? Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. And people thought I was completely crazy. We coached the game Friday night. I jumped on a train. I jumped on a train to Baltimore, jumped in a car, picked up my parents. We drove to Lynchburg, right? Made it there walked him across the court for senior night, ate lunch, had to get back to Maryland to get back on the train and get back to meet the team to play Seton Hall. Now, people, aren't you tired? You don't, you're not tired as a mom. You make it happen as a mom. There have been moments where I thought this year senior night was gonna conflict. And I had already told, already told my coaches, 
I said, CC, you will coach this game. I will not coach if I will not coach a basketball game and miss senior night. And again, I've had other coaches say, oh my God, you would do that? Absolutely, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Why do I have other coaches? It's a day that I can't get back if I miss it. And I haven't been at some, right? You know, you're not at every game, but every one of those moments, I made sure I was there. My first boss, Patrick Knapp at Georgetown, I remember him telling me when I was getting into the business and he asked me, are you sure? He said, are you sure? Now, why did you say that? He said, I remember being at the birth of my daughter and then giving her away at her wedding. I missed everything in between. And that stuck, that stuck with me, right? And so this is like year one. I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. Let me moonwalk out of this thing. But it helped me keep it in perspective about what's important. And it was a different time then, obviously. And we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have moms in coaching. I didn't have someone I could call to and say, what are best practices? Oh my God, my head's gonna go, like what curriculum? I mean, just on the, on the kind of text thread, the group message, you guys are sharing information that I didn't have then, but I do now. And, you know, I, I'm just thankful for you all and I'm thankful for just the resources that are out there. And that lets me know that it's, it's getting better. Um, and we as women are getting not getting stronger, but we are more confident in who we are in our role and our ability to do everything, <laughs> right? To be, excuse me, badass and rock stars and all those things and not apologize for it. Be unapologetically you and be great. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mic drop, outro oh. music. Wow. Like you said this, but and I'm sure that it looks so different today than it did 20 years ago. But like, even now I, I realize that no one, no one said that I should be nervous to tell my boss I have this conflict or whatever, but like, it, you just feel it like, because well, and like, you know, cause there's men all around me who don't do that. And so, correct. but if we can just normalize that, you know, and we know that we're grinding just as hard, but our day looks different. So, Correct. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Like we have to stop apologizing. We have to get that fit out of our stomach. Um, and I think one, because we're so competitive because we're, you know, we have a standard for ourselves, but we can't be everywhere. And that's okay. We are showing our student athletes that this is real. You know what? Wow. Coach can be a mom. Wow. Coach can tend to us. Coach can be a wife. Coach, how do you do all these things? And they may even have a better appreciation on this three-hour practice so I can get home <laughs> and do what I'm supposed to do. You know? Right, um, right. So I, I am very transparent with them in, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, they, they came to Allie's volleyball games with signs, you know, and that, those were moments, right? I can't be there all the time. But I want you to know that when we are here or when I am here, uh, it, it is a big deal. So the, this quarantine, I mean, this uh, kind of stay at home uh, in COVID time has been, I've never been home this much with my daughter or with either of my children. And some people are, mostly men, are fighting to get out of the house. Um, and we as women are like, whoa, you know, this, this is good. And we made it. How about that? 
and we've made it, right? We, we, we're a little crazy sometimes, but we made it. Um, so it make time, make time, make time and communicate. Uh, and, and, and you know what? Even though in, in relationships, they may not say anything, have date night, get a babysitter, try not to bring it home. Um, try not to bring it home. Put a time limit on phone calls, you know, recruiting calls. Um, I can only take them from this time. The player, the recruits do it to us. But find, find those moments when you can just have ice cream. This was amazing. You're wonderful. I had such a good time. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Moms and Coaching podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode. Also, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at momsincoaching at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Moms in Coaching. Bye, everyone. Until next time. Bye.